Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. The views and opinion expressed from host and caregivers are solely given based on the experiences of the individuals involved. Because each person is so unique, always consult your physician, physical or occupational therapist, or medical and fitness advice. Are you struggling to help your aging parents or disabled spouse to do everyday personal care tasks? Are you concerned about them falling or you injuring yourself? What is the task that is so difficult for you to help them to do? You are not alone. We can help. Finding a Foothold is a weekly podcast show that invites you to call in and tell us your challenge. Here, you can receive practical tips and strategies from an occupational therapist and from other caregivers like yourself. And here is your host, Consuela Marshall. Hello, I'm Consuelo Marshall, Occupational Therapist. Welcome to Finding a Foothold, a community of caregivers who've had caregiving challenges and have learned many lessons along the way. We know how you do things and having the right equipment and support can make caring for your loved ones easier and safer. Stay tuned, you hear from caregivers that call in, and share challenges they face today, and you hear tips from experienced caregivers as we work together to bring hope and improve how you give care. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to another episode of Finding a Foothold. I'm Consuela, I'm the host, and I am so glad to have you here with us again for another week. And in today's show, we'll get to hear calls that have come in from caregivers who are asking caregiving questions. So if you have a question, no question is too small. Give us a call and we will see if we can help. And on the second half of the podcast, I'll be sharing some information with you about hurricane preparedness and how you can be prepared during this hurricane season. So stay tuned for that. And thanks again for tuning in today. And I'm so glad you're here. And here's our first call and is from a Brenda in Mississippi. Hello, my name is Brenda from Mississippi and I was calling in. I had some concerns about my mother. She just recently had open heart surgery and came home and they're telling us that she's not really supposed to use her arms to be able to stand up from like a chair or or couch or anything. And we're not quite sure how to help her and just calling to see if you may have any advice on how to help her to be able to get up and down and not use her arms and how we can help her. So if you have any suggestions, we would certainly appreciate it. Thank you. Hello, Brenda. Thank you for calling into the podcast. I love your call. I love that accent from Mississippi. Thank you for calling in. Your mom's had open heart surgery. Well, I am so glad she has made it through that and she's feeling, hopefully feeling better. And uh, this is just the beginning of her being able to do a lot more for herself and just to feel better. Look, there are so many advances in open heart surgeries and the recovery periods are getting shorter. And I'm, I'm glad you're there to help her and I am wishing her a very speedy recovery. 
Okay, let's talk about your question. You're referring to one of those no-nos after a heart surgery, and that is not putting your arms up on a armrest and pushing down. Because when you're doing that motion, you are putting so much pressure on that incision site at the breastbone. So let me give you some tips to make her standing a lot easier for her. And that is number one, you want to make sure she has that heart pillow with her. You want to make sure she's holding that heart-shaped pillow and has it snug against her chest and she has her arms crossed against the pillow and against her chest. The second thing is that she must be seated on a surface that is not too low. If it is and she's having problems, you always can increase the height of the seat by putting pillows in it or folded blankets into the chair to increase the height. You'll be amazed at what an additional two or three inches or four inches of height to a chair to what difference that would make in helping her to be able to stand easier. And the next thing is technique. We've all heard of a location, location, location. We hear that a lot when we're, you know, we're doing traveling or looking at real estate, buying a home. But for therapists, we are always thinking technique, technique, technique. It is how you do things that can result in whether you have success or failure at doing a task. It is the technique. And using the right technique to stand is crucial. In order for anyone to stand, me, you, a person who's had a surgery, it doesn't matter. If we are all standing, take note, we are all using the same technique. And I want you to practice this and then have your mom to demonstrate this as you are teaching her to stand properly. And the technique is scooting toward the edge of what you're sitting on. She must be seated toward the edge of the chair. So she scoots forward. And the second thing is the placement of your feet. Your feet must be placed back further than your knees. And then you lean forward. That is the last component, leaning forward. So if your feet are back behind your knees and you're leaning forward, you're doing what we teach, what therapists teach patients to do. Put your nose over your toes. And it's just aligning your head forward over your toes. You know, you may not be able to see your toes or get it exactly right, but the ideal is to lean forward and push up to stand. And I'm not saying she can do it by herself at this stage, but it allows her to do it in the easiest manner. So I want to caution you to be there right there with her while she's doing it. But if she follows these techniques and you're there coaching her and you're demonstrating on your body with you sitting in a chair and going over these techniques, she'll be able to get them. So I hope that gives you uh, a technique that you can use. And over time, she should be able to build up some strength in her legs to make that process easier. But until then, please be right there with her and helping her. And thank you, Brenda, for calling in and being right there supporting your mom through this recovery process. And I, my prayer is that you all get through it really smoothly. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And our next call is a playback call. I'm going to play back a call that I received during episode nine, where Brian called in because he had concerns about how to get into a tub after he had a surgery. So let's take a look and we'll see what has happened since then. Hi, it's Brian. 
was wondering if you could give advice on someone with some back and femur rods put in and getting into the bathtub. I'm having a little difficulty and was wondering if you had any good advice for that. Hello, Brian. Thank you for calling in. I am so glad you did. And look, you've been through some stuff, back surgery, leg surgery. So you want to get in that tub. Well, Brian, I, I don't have enough information to know about your injuries and what you're facing and how long it's been. But getting down in a tub does not seem like that's a wise thing to do with the surgeries that you've had. You know, the, the best option would be a just roll-in shower, a walk-in shower, where you just walk straight into it and sit on the chair and you're taking your shower. But I'm guessing that's not what you have. So Brian, what I want to do right now is to share with you the option of the consult service that's highlighted on the website. With the 15-minute free consult, you would be able to tell me in more detail what is going on with you, what happened, how long ago it was, and give me more specifics about what is going on. And in that time, I would be able to start to formulate some things that I think may work for you. So I want to encourage you to do that. And when you leave that consult, you would have homework that you can do that you can jot down and give me great details about what I need to know in order for us to meet again and discuss the, the best options for you. And during that consult, I will get a chance to get pictures of your bathroom or even some videos of what is going on. I take a look at the surroundings and be able to give you my best recommendation for you. So Brian, right now, I just want to encourage you to be patient. Okay, well, Brian did follow up and scheduled a consult with me, and I was able to get more detail about his situation and able to view the bathroom and see the layout and come up with a plan uh, for him for taking a bath, and it went well. And we were also able to tackle another issue that he was having, and it was his inability to get in and out of the car. So I appreciate Brian for giving me the opportunity to work with him. And here is a short uh, statement from Brian. Yeah, so thanks again. Appreciate the consultation on tips for getting into my car from, uh, from a wheelchair and a walker. It really helped out and we'll be able to accomplish that. Thanks again. Brian, I was so glad to work with you. Okay, our next call came in as a written comment on the website, and it read, My mom wants to use one of those fancy walkers with the seat on it, but I don't know if it's safe for her to use. Do you think this is a safe option? Okay, and this came in from a Rose from Louisiana. Okay, thank you, Rose, for the call in. Okay, hey, Rose, thanks for the call. What you're referring to is a rollator. And they are not safe for everybody because you require a lot more balance with the rollator than you do with the walker. The rollator has four wheels versus a walker has only two, the two in the front, and they either have just the regular stoppers on the back or the tennis balls that have been placed on the uh, stoppers. The, the problem with the rollator is that it can continue to move. And if you don't have enough balance to control yourself, to react and catch yourself, if you're moving in the wrong direction, 
the rollator is just going to accelerate that and you're definitely going to fall. So Rose, I don't have the answer for you, meaning can she use one? But you can you know, do your little investigation so that you can make the best decision. I would either borrow a rollator from someone or go into a store where there is a rollator on display that you all can use. That you can practice with, walk around the store in. You can probably find them at wheelchair places. Some pharmacies have them on display. Just give them a try and point out to your mom. Let her see the difference in having it versus not having it. And take in consideration the space in your home. I mean, they can come in handy because they provide a place to sit when you're fatigued and just need to take a break. Or if you're needing to carry something from one room to the other, you can put it on top of the seat. And they often also have the option of having a little basket under the seat where you can carry things that you need all the time, like a cell phone, tissues, just those things that you want to keep handy. So it's really a good thing for some people, but it's not for everybody. So if you need a little bit more advice, she can always see a therapist and they can assess her and make sure that's the right thing. You know, what you want to caution against is the brakes, making sure she knows how to engage and disengage the brakes so that when she does go to sit on the rollator, it, that it is locked before she sits on it. And I like to recommend that people have it pushed against something like the counter or the wall before they turn to sit on it because you want that gives you that extra security that it's not going to roll. But if you're just freestanding and you're in the middle of somewhere and you need to sit suddenly, I mean, just making sure you can lock the brakes and turn around and sit. So those are my recommendations that you just take her somewhere where she can use one and then you can make the best decision. So Rosa, thank you for calling, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in to the podcast here in Louisiana. And look, in my next segment, stay tuned because I want to highlight some of the concerns that are you need to be concerned about as we are getting ready to go into her. Well, look, we're already in hurricane season. There's one that's even brewing out in the Gulf now, and it's just a lot of reason for concerns here in Louisiana because we've been through a number of storms. So uh, stay tuned and uh, everyone so that the information that I'm going to provide can be used regardless of what the emergency or the natural disaster that's going to be potentially taking place. Thanks again for the call Rose and thank you for being there and being a support for mom. Bye-bye. And our next call is from Steve. Steve is also calling from Louisiana. Hello, Steve. I'm glad to have your call and thank you for uh, calling into the podcast. And Steve's question, and I'll read it, is, my mom is now wheelchair confined. She's had many back surgeries that have not been successful. She's no longer able to walk and she now needs a wheelchair. I am going back to work soon and my question is, can someone in a wheelchair be left home by themselves? Hello, Steve. Thank you for calling and I'm sorry to hear the news about your mom no longer being able to walk. Yeah, that's that's quite a life changer uh, to go from uh, walking to now wheelchair confined. So the quick answer to your question is, can a person in a wheelchair be left home alone by themselves? The answer is yes. Definitely a life changer, but it doesn't mean the end to a functional life. Because as you know, there are many people wheelchair confined that do very well in in life. We even have a 
governor in Texas that's wheelchair confined. The wheelchair in itself does not deem a person as being unsafe or unable to be home alone by themselves. But you have to look at the entire picture, Steve. Can your mom get in and out of the wheelchair by herself? Can she in the wheelchair, get to the food that she needs to be able to heat up food, to be able to exit the house in case of an emergency. All of those things need to be put in place before she can be there alone. And look, it it may entail you hiring somebody to be there with her while you're at work, but still working on checking off all those boxes that need to be checked off. So I would really see if therapy was an option. If home health therapies can come in and go through all this process with you and making sure the toileting needs are going to be met, the feeding, the emergency exiting of the home, and just giving you tips on making sure she has the phone with her at all times. All of these things must be in place. And you can set up the environment to easily get a lot of those things met quite quickly, meaning a refrigerator, a dorm size refrigerator and a small microwave in the bedroom next to where she will be staying, making sure she has medications, that she has the toileting aspect of it. How does she manage that? Those things need to be talked about and worked through and getting a therapist to help with those or hiring a caregiver and watching that caregiver do those things. And then you all are learning the process of doing those things. Those things are key. And even though you set up that environment where everything is handy, where she can get to it, like the refrigerator and the water and the food, but you also want to, you know, that component of being able to exit the house, that is just key. You never know when, something, a fire or just some disaster, some unfortunate thing happens and she needs to be able to get out of the house. These are all the things that you need to start checking off in your head about, is she able to do these things? Steve, it's a lot, it's, it can be a lot, but it's not an impossible task of her being able to be there while you return to work. So I want you to start taking a note and making a list of the things that she would have to do and then start to see how to make those things happen. Involve professionals, involve skilled people or involve experienced people into that to learn from them. So it may be the cost of having that caregiver to come in or it just may be that you get the home health services and then it just becomes part of the home health services where an aide comes in, an OT and a PT comes in, and then you learn from them. What are the things that need to be done in order for your mom to safely be at home by herself? So the answer to the question, wheelchair people can be left home alone? Absolutely can be left at home. They can be independent. They can have fulfilled lives. It's a set of wheels under them, but they are still living. So look, just make sure everything's in place, Steve. And look, I appreciate the call and I'm glad you had the time to be with your mom as she was recovering from the surgery. And I do understand that people do have to return to work 
but you've also got to do it safely and make sure mom is taken care of. And look, involve other family members. Get other siblings if you have them. Get, you know, maybe she has some sisters that can now come over and spend some time with her. And where you may not have to have a hired person there for the entire time that you're at work. So be a little creative in getting family members involved into this process. And I thank you for the call and I wish you well. And thank you again for taking care of mom. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that concludes the call-in segment of the podcast. I hope in listening to the calls, it brought to mind something that you've been meaning to call in and ask about. So I want you to right now get to the website, press that button and call in and leave your call, leave the question so that I can air it in next week's broadcast. And I want you to stay tuned and I want you to stay tuned. I am going to provide some safety tips that I want you all to take in consideration as we are headed into, no, we are in hurricane season here in Louisiana. And I want you caregivers to be prepared. Make sure you have those things handy that you're going to need in the event that you have to leave your house to seek shelter somewhere else. Or if you are forced to shelter in place, that you want to have those vital essential supplies necessary for you and for your loved one. So stay tuned and we're going to go over some quick tips in just a minute. June the 1st was the start of hurricane season here in Louisiana. And it puts a lot of people on edge down here because we have been through so many natural disasters. And you'd think we'd all be prepared by now, but it seems to creep in upon us and we think we've been through this before. So, oh, we know what we've got to do. But we often can sometimes be a little laxed and not really be as prepared as we think we are. So today I wanted to spend some time to really reiterate how important that it is for caregivers to be ready. We don't want this to happen. I hope we go through this season, this hurricane season, and not have one hurricane named. But even this week as I am recording this, we have something brewing out in the Gulf and I am praying that it just moves on and that it doesn't impact anybody, especially Louisiana. So let me give you some quick tips on how to be prepared for the hurricane season. I'm going to cover these aspects for caregivers who are caring for those with physical limitations and cognitive limitations like dementia, Alzheimer diagnosis, because it often takes extra preparation than it will for the general population. And I'm going to use as a support reference materials that are going to come right off the website of the Alzheimer's Association. And that website address is alz.org. They are a wonderful resource. And I'm going to be adding to that some things that I want to be a little bit more specific on, but let's just go through the list. The first thing is be prepared. 
You want to make sure you're checking the weather conditions before you leave your house or before you make plans and making some adjustments. And that includes rescheduling appointments that are not urgent so that you're not caught off guard in the storm. And if the person that you're living with has dementia and attending adult daycare, that you really find out what the rules that they have for being prepared. When you are evacuating someone with a physical limitation, you want to make sure you have that they have their walker and their wheelchair with them. And as you're making those plans, you want to make sure that the facility that they will be potentially evacuated to has provisions for use of those devices. If they're using oxygen, make sure that you have the portable tanks with you or have easy access to some portable tanks. One thing that is a service that is offered by Medical Alert Foundation is a wandering response service. And it is a service that you pay for, but it could be very valuable in the event that there's an evacuation. So I'll give you a little bit more details about the wandering response service. And the next thing is going to be preparing an emergency kit. That's part of the preparation, having that emergency kit prepared. In that emergency kit, you want the kit to be a watertight container that is stored in an easy accessible location and be sure to account for everything that they are going to need. Prescriptions, some important documentations, extra cell phone chargers, a couple of easy to change outfits that are going to be appropriate for the weather we're in. Tags and labels on, on clothes in there. You got shoes, extra sets of eyeglasses incontinence products, hand lotion or other comfort items, and then you got those medical documentations and medications, copies of powers of attorney, copies of insurance cards, copies of your, you want names of your physician and their phone number and their address. You want to put in there even recent pictures of the person that has the dementia. You want to Put in there a favorite item like a book, a picture, a purse. And you want to always have on handy the Alzheimer's Association phone number, which is 800-272-3900. And if you are enrolled in that wandering person services that's provided by Medical Alert Foundation, their phone number, you want to have it with you too in the event that that person wanders away. And that phone number is 800-625-3780. So if you've not heard about the Medical Alert Foundation, I want you to look it up online at uh, their website. And their website is medicalalert.org. And find out some valuable information that can give you peace of mind during not only this time, but just in general when you are living with someone who has dementia, who is prone to wander away. And I do want to add, always stay in tune with your local television stations. Having a radio handy where you can listen to the latest alerts, where they can give you direction on what facilities that may be appropriate for different populations of people, and that you have the numbers handy of the Red Cross and other organizations that can assist out in the times of medical emergencies. So definitely arm yourself with information from your local authorities because they will give you some immediate and some very relevant 
information that can help out during the time of a crisis or a storm of this nature. So thank you for listening today. And my prayer is that we do not have to incur a storm, but we definitely don't want to be unprepared. So get prepared and stay ready. And I'll talk to you again on next time. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Finding a Foothold podcast. I hope you found information helpful for your situation and you're beginning to envision yourself as a successful caregiver. Remember, you cannot do this alone. So if you have a question to ask or a word of encouragement for other caregivers, I encourage you to call in by visiting the findingafoothold.com website and using the call-in button. You can find this podcast on our website and on all the major podcast streaming sites. We also ask that you share our podcast with others who are navigating this challenging caregiving journey. Join us again next time, Finding a Foothold cares about how you give care.